Welcome to Get Behind Fanny, a podcast dedicated to the behind-the-scenes stories of the music, the members, and the musicians influenced by the rock group Fanny, the godmothers of women who rock. Hey, everybody. We're going to shake things up here. And oh, I get to, Yes. <laughs> shaking it up. Yeah. And I get to introduce the Get Behind Fanny podcast today. And if you don't know, I'm Alice DeBure, Fanny's drummer. And working together on these audio adventures with me are Kristen and Byron. Dr. Kristen Hilaire Glasgow, who is not only a historian, I'm so proud of you, but <laughs> she's also the daughter of Fanny's manager, Roy Silver, which means I've known you since what? You were three, I think, you know? That's right. Yeah. And Byron Wilkins is a mm -hmm. lifelong Fanny fan and webmaster for FannyRocks.com, an all around great guy. And both of these guys always have my back. We try. <laughs> we try. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just have to say, wasn't last uh, the last episode that we did with Linda Wolf absolutely fantastic? It was oh, so much yeah. fun. We yeah. had so much fun. And I have to say the feedback on it has been so much fun, mm -hmm, whether it's mm -hmm. on FannyRocks.com or Facebook or Twitter. It's just mm -hmm. been a great reception. And yes. so one of the things that got a great reception was the idea that June slept with her guitar <laughs> at <Yeah>. the time. <laughs> How could great. it not? How could it not? And great meme, Nigel, on that one. Check it out if you haven't at the Fanny Facebook page. Um, and by the way, that photo that Nigel used for the meme was taken by Boyd Harris in the UK. Good old Boyd. Yep. In this week's interview with June and Jean, I asked June if she remembers sleeping with her guitar. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who put the guitar on my chest. Maybe she did. I don't know. <laughs> I don't deny that I... Slept with my guitar. I just don't remember it. <laughs> so there you go. Mystery <laughs> solved. Kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. And the other question that we got last week a lot, actually, was about the song Badge, which, of course, we've talked yeah. about in the past. Badge being a cover that Fanny did of by Cream. And Welsh Dave on FannyRocks.com or Dave Roberts asked, quote, about the Fanny version of Badge. Do I hear she's married to Mabel? Also, in the last verse, you substituted who for that, which, of course, is a grammatical improvement, and was <laughs> wait for the cue instead of in the cue on purpose. And then he basically asked, did you do this for an American audience? And then he says, quote, the lyrics still make perfect sense to me. Well, Close quote. so Alice. Yeah, Dave. Uh, yes, you do hear she's married to Mabel. And you do hear the substituted who for that and wait for the cue. Yeah, and we did know what it meant instead of in the cue. But there are no hidden meetings other than we liked the way those words sounded or we didn't hear the lyrics correctly when we were taking this, <laughs> learning the song, you know. You'll have to choose your own answer because I don't think any of us really remember that, you know. Um, and yeah, Kristen, mystery solved again. Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. It's like Kinda. long answer, short answer. Ah, take them both. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Christian, we really did. I really did enjoy the podcast with Linda. I, it was so much fun to share stories and, and talk about memories with her and life at Fanny Hill. But on this episode, mm -hmm. we're going to share, I think, a few more stories, a little more history, including mm -hmm. some of our earliest recordings. Right, Christian? 
Absolutely. We're going to be talking about an early song by Fanny called I Find Myself, which later would come in, turn into Come and Hold Me. And then we're going to finish the episode with Bitter Wine. And for those of you who are lost with that song title, I Find Myself, um, because it's not on any of the CDs currently available, the Real Gone CD reissues, um, it's a demo that is only available on what I call the Fanny Pack, which is the mm. Rhino Handmade set, released in 2002. Uh, one of our UFOs, uh, Nigel, pointed out that I Find Myself and Come and Hold Me are actually an evolution of the same song. And the first time I heard I Find Myself almost 20 years mm-hmm. ago when the Rhino CD set came out, I was too struck by the similarities to both Come and Hold Me as well. With that, let's listen to a little bit of both I Find Myself and Come and Hold Me off Fanny's first album. But wait, wait, wait. Before we listen, <laughs> we thought I want to let everybody know that we thought it would be a real treat because this is really a hidden gem to hear Richard Perry introducing I Find Myself. All right, here we go. I find myself rolling on one. This is a historic moment. And I just have to say, on an aside, mm-hmm. it is such a trip for me to hear Richard's voice. Yeah, I have not heard his voice since I was a kid, and wow. yet it's just so familiar to me. Yep. It's just and that was that was a real treat. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we have it. Um, it that it, it's really? it's so we're so lucky to have that somewhere in the archives. But the mm-hmm. historical moment, the reason Richard ca- was calling it a, an historical moment, is because that I find myself was the first song that we recorded for reprise, and mm. we recorded it as Wild Honey with Addie Lee. Wow. Yeah. 
And obviously, yeah. I had never heard I Find Myself until the Fanny CD set came out. But Come and Hold Me is my favorite track off the first album. And I think it's a great way to open the album. It has a nice, full sound to it. And it's a fun, happy tune with no big, heavy social meetings, you know. Just, <laughs> hey, man, come and hold me. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no no big, heavy social meetings in the late <laughs> 1960s, right? <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> but I, I, like you, Byron, I had never heard I Find Myself until yeah. the Fanny Pack was released. And it's interesting that Nigel used the word evolved mm-hmm. in terms of how the two songs, you know, came in, I Find Myself came into, evolved into Come and Hold Me. But when I interviewed June and Jean about this, that wasn't necessarily the case at all. Mm-hmm. So let's listen to how they remembered it. Because I remember the here I find myself going, that sounds pretty similar to Come and Hold Me. Yeah, what do we that's do? right. But Addie reminded me that she was involved in the original creation of uh, I Find Myself. I just don't remember. Was that what happened? I Find Myself, and then we changed the lyrics and changed it to a different Yeah, song? and I think Addie wrote that guitar lick, you know, the, 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 uh, and the basic kind of groove. At least that's what she told me at one point. And, I mean, why wouldn't I believe her? I don't remember any of it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was a long time ago, June. But uh, <laughs> Addie was the lead guitar player in Wild Honey. And mm. Wild Honey was the band that she and I started after we split away from Gene and June and the Svelts. What year was that? Um, I think that would have been like 68, you mm-hmm. know. Addie, our manager, Linda Kafars, and I rented a cottage in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, while we tried to figure out, you know, where we were going and what our future was going to be and trying to find mm-hmm. some other members that, you know, would become Wild Honey. And we just, we were there for, I don't know, a month, maybe, month and a half until we ran out of money. <laughs> you know, which happened a lot in those days. But that sent us back to my hometown in Mason City, Iowa, where we could oh. live and practice rent free at my family house. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Wild Honey was Addie, Joan Peterson, Jan Whitaker, and me in Iowa. And the Svelts were Gene and June, Bree Brandt, now Bree Darling, and I think Wendy Haas in Los Altos, California. Mm-hmm. And none of us, we had never performed in Los Angeles. You know, we didn't even think about going to L.A., even if L.A. at the time was becoming a real hotspot for music, you know? That surprises me, actually, because it was becoming, L.A. was becoming such a hot spot. That's Mm -hmm. why my dad moved out from New York to L.A. So it's interesting that, that Wild Honey or the Svelts hadn't really contemplated that yet. Yeah, we were such a Northern California, Northwest. We toured from Northern California up into Washington and Idaho, pretty okay. much, you know. Mm-hmm. But re- back to the story, after, uh, <laughs> very, very shortly after we split up, I don't think we were split up for more than, oh, I don't know, maybe four months total. Wow. Uh, we knew uh, Addie and, and, and I were really depressed about it. I don't know where June, what June and Jean's feelings were, but we all realized that neither of the bands was cutting it being separated. So we decided to reform and we reformed as Wild Honey, which then became mm-hmm. Addie, Jean, June, and me. And as Wild Honey, that's when we gigged around the Bay Area and Santa okay. Cruz. We played, you know, frat parties at Stanford <laughs> and Cal and the like, and we did some club gigs. 
Wow. And if any of you were at those gigs or frat parties, please let us know. Yeah, seriously. Oh, please. Pictures, <laughs> ephemera, oh, yeah. anything. Oh, my God, yeah. I anything. think they were. I think most of them were too drunk. <laughs> if it, if it oh, was I don't frat, know. Well, I don't know. Party, seeing, yeah. seeing, you know, four <laughs> beautiful women on stage playing rock and roll, I, you know. Well, I at think a frat party? No, no. At no, a frat party? No, you're drinking. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> really? Because that was so normal to see an all-female rock and roll band? Really, yeah, Byron? Yeah, we were drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at that point, we knew that L.A. was the only place that mm. we were going to have a shot at making it. And we were really tired of the club grind and yeah, the fraternity yeah. parties and the vomit on the yeah. drums, you know. Oh, you God, know. Yes. So we said, this is our shot. If we don't get a record deal, we'll all just go back to school. Also, well, school wasn't something that I thought of as an alternative because I wasn't interested in school, but I didn't know what I was going to do instead. So we get to L.A. and we do the hoot night at the Troubadour on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. And we were billed as Wild Honey. But Richard Perry's secretary, whose name I don't remember, saw us and told Richard, you have to see these girls. This mm-hmm. unnamed female secretary <laughs> of Richards yeah. should be credited with finding Fanny. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, let's give credit where credit is due, right? right? And so for those that don't know, female secretaries in those days, and that's pretty repetitive, female secretary, was <laughs> also a euphemism for a music scout or an A&R person. Right, mm. who would go out and find talent, and, and for those that don't know the term, A and R stands for artist and repertoire. Mm-hmm. And what this A and R person would do was would handle the artists and handle their music and their their mm. their work, and they would go out and find new hot talent, sign them, and then promote them from whatever label they were working for. So in this case, this unnamed female secretary and Richard were working for Reprise. So, Alice, what happened after this female secretary who discovered Fanny told Richard about you? (laughs) Drive that point home. I will. (laughs) I think it's important. Yeah, it is. And I love how many times you said it. It worked. (laughs) Well, you know, it was the next day. I don't know, maybe the day after we auditioned for Richard. And he had told us, I have 15 minutes to give you. Wow. Wow. Still, yeah. though, did you know what a big deal that was that he was offering you that time? Oh, yeah, definitely. We all did. I mean, that's what we had come to L.A. for. You know, we wanted a recording contract. But back to the audition. <laughs> we ended up playing for Richard and talking for about, oh, two hours plus, maybe. Wow. wow. Yeah. And from those two hours, he went to Reprise, and he got us that four-album recording contract as Wild Honey, which wow. was still Addie, Jane, June, and me. Still managed by Linda Kavars. But at that time, hmm. Richard was kind of, you know, pushing us after us to hire a manager with more experience hmm. in, in the record business and in Hollywood and maybe had more connections, whatever. So hmm. we fired Linda. And when we did, Addie quit. So, wow. you know, that was kind of a, a blow to us. We floundered for quite a while. Um, 
you know, we never stopped playing. We never stopped recording or anything, but uh, we continued recording with Richard, uh, hoping that we'd find that fourth member. And the demos that are on that fanny pack that we recorded mm-hmm. at that period of time were Ladies' Choice, New Day, Queen Aretha, Changes, One Step at a Time, Flame Tree, Nowhere to Run. And of course, I find myself, which later morphed mm-hmm. into Come and Hold Me. <laughs> So, Alice, to get this straight, we're now talking 1969, late 1969? Yes, yeah. Yep. Okay. And my dad was introduced to Fanny through Richard Perry. They had already worked together in the past. And Mm -hmm. my dad was absolutely floored when he saw you perform. My dad was all about as a manager firsts, you know, Mm -hmm. who was the first of something. And seeing the first all-female band with killer musicians, great songs, and not a bad-looking band member in the bunch (laughs) was just too much to pass up for him. Yeah, that was all, that was uh, 69, maybe early 70, you know. And while we recorded all those demos with Richard, with just uh, Gene and June and me, um, we were looking for our fourth member. But during that time is when we did change the name from Wild Honey to Fanny. Um, and and well, the story will come out in further podcasts about how we looked for and how we found our fourth member. But we found Nikki, and she was the perfect fourth member. And we never looked back. Come on and see me, I have tons of questions for you, Alice, but let's just start with two. <laughs> okay. okay. There we go. I can First handle of all. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you recording? And two, why did you change the name from Wild Honey to Fanny? Well, a lot of that first recording, and I know that f- I, I find myself, at least because I remember it vividly, um, we were at Crystal Recording Studios, which was on the corner of Vine near Santa Monica mm. in mm-hmm. Hollywood. And it was the first of many studios that we used that were still, you know, trying to work out their kinks and, and get mm. going because there were always breakdowns, but we got the reduced rates. And mm. you have to remember, even if we were their guinea pigs, Richard was still a staff producer at, uh, you know, at, at Reprise. He wasn't, his, his mojo hadn't happened yet, you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> his clout. Wasn't nearly as big as it grew to become, but at some point or during his ego, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Oops. Did I just say that out loud? You did, but I was kind of talking over you, so maybe nobody will hear it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just blurted it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you know, at some point during those demo sessions, um, Richard was in the sound booth. We were in the big recording room. I, I, I remember him, and. I remember him throwing out the name Fanny. It might have been in response to somebody saying Fanny, but we were, you know, talking about changing the name and we wanted it to be the name of a woman, you know, 
That's mm-hmm. how I remember it. But I was really surprised, Kristen, when you talked to Gene and June this week, what Gene, how, how different Gene's memory was from mine, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's hear mm-hmm. what, let's hear that memory because it really is different. I think it's because Wild Honey was the name of the previous band, the previous incarnation. And we just want to make change. It was a different band now. And we wanted a different name. And Wild Honey was sort of harkened back to the previous years. So I think I think that's the primary reason. Wow, Alice, you are so right how both of you remember it so differently. And yeah. it's just interesting, historical perspective, your own lived history. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just find that so fascinating. Another mystery solved, kind of, kind of, kind of, sort of is going to be our new mantra. You know, how kinda. you doing? Kind of, sort of. Well, what are you doing today? Kind of, sort of. But going back to the song, um, I really don't remember. And you know, it's it's like really foggy in my head, but I don't remember if Nikki overdubbed keyboards on this song at all. You know, it's such hard to a hear good, if they're there. Yeah, yeah, it's such a guitar song, and I'm really, really hard pressed to hear keyboards on it at all. I thought, you know, as I'm mm-hmm. listening to it, the second verse, maybe there's a little tinkling of a piano back there, <laughs> but I'm not positive that you know it yeah. could be. But you know, hmm. I think that this is one of the songs that could have been considered quote unquote finished yeah. and maybe it mm-hmm. didn't need anything additional yeah alice i too really hear this as a guitar song i don't think i hear keyboards on this but here's mm-hmm. what june and gene had to say about their playing on the song and also about your playing alice i'm playing uh, my probably j50 as my acoustic rhythm part but i picked up a 12 string and wrote the counterpoint uh, melody and the counterpoint parts i actually i heard more of it now because i listened to it in the studio really loud and the castanet, so you can put in different different elements in different parts of the neck, in my case on the guitar, um, and open up space, and it's still really beautiful. I mean, Coming Home is one of my uh, more favorite songs uh, that we've ever done, just because it's so... It feels so innocent to me, and I guess they come home, you want to see the sunshine, you know, it's so... It's got that innocence where you're not even thinking, well, maybe this person will hurt me. You know, there's none of that. There's no thinking into the future and being afraid. You're just in the moment. You know, it's just that sweet, warm feeling. And I love the backup vocals. I love your playing, Gene, uh, and Alice's, you know, she's per usual leading from section to section. And our vocals are great. Yeah, they are. I was surprised on hearing the bass part again because I didn't did not remember playing so that kind of a counterpoint bass part that wasn't boom 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 yeah all the in between things which I was really I really like the sound of all that and you know what that counterpoint bass part might might have been created uh, with uh, I, I find myself it's possible Alice's drum part is. It's not pushy, but it's, it's, you know, it's aggressive in the way that Alice plays, but it fits the song really well. And, you know, yeah. I, for every, for years, um, I always thought when I listened to the first album that I played too much, the, the mm. drum, the drums were too busy, you know, but mm. um, I, that would be my critique for that song. But now when I listen to it, um mm-hmm. It seems to fit pretty well. It's okay, you know, and I really do like the maracas and the castanets that are tasty. 
You know? Yeah, I do too. I love your playing on this, but of course, I think oh, yeah. it's obvious that I'm biased. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unabashedly so. <laughs> and also, just to clarify, with June's twelve string, this was rented for the recording. She did not own her own twelve string, mm. and I asked. June about the kind of Motown feeling to the mm-hmm. background vocals. And I loved her line. She said, quote, well, you got to borrow from the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Close quote. Yeah. And Byron, I mm-hmm. have to say, I was really struck also by June's assessment of the song overall, the lyrics, yeah. the feeling, because it had such a similar, she had such a similar take on it like you do, yep. seeing yep. it, you know, in the moment, sweet, warm feeling of innocence, not yeah. thinking about the future, just being yep. there in the moment. Oh, yeah. And that's what I love about it. You know, you can just feel it flow through you. I mean, I just love that. And if this doesn't get you, uh, you know, wanting to hear more, I don't know what will. cold spell the country is going through sleepy time in the winter time (laughs) keep me warm you know man (laughs) there you go well we talked about summer song over the summer so this is perfect we're in the winter yeah this is great yeah but this song i mean being such a guitar song and being such a finished what i think is a finished product you know i Mm -hmm. don't hear nikki in it but no i don't either yeah shortly after this nikki was in the band we were Fanny. Yep. We had found we were a four piece rock band, and I don't know. I I cannot believe because I'm, li- I'm listening to some to summer songs. Duh. I'm listening to Come and Hold Me, <laughs> not in the summertime. Sorry. I'm listening in the winter time. You know, <laughs> but uh, this this next song it's one of the first songs that Nikki brought to us and that we recorded together as Fanny.
Right. Yep. I mean, Nikki's entrance into the band really yep. pushed the musical boundaries, as well as you as musicians. Yeah. I loved what June had to say in the liner notes of the CD release of the first Fanny album. She said, quote, we could float with bitter wine, which was archaic and compelling with those floating women's voices, ancient and mysterious, even to us. But we didn't resist. We had worked so hard and continue to do so. This was our destiny, close quote. And I love, in a way, straddling both the idea of the song Bitter Wine, mm-hmm. along with looking at this as a song about Fanny, who had worked so hard, and this was your mm. destiny. Yeah. Well, to me, Bitter Wine sounds like future Fanny. It's mm-hmm. where we were going instead of, you know, just the straight ahead rock and roll stuff that Nikki had brought to the band or would bring to the band. Mm-hmm. You know, we were going to try and paint this emotional picture with the parts we played. And I I think, I really think bitter wine was like Fanny three albums in. Mm -hmm. And yet it was on the first album, the debut, you know? And I think again, with Nikki's songs, this kind of complexity was where we were going. And I think we painted a lot of pictures with Nikki. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I just love Gene's bass part on bitter wine. She's playing bass mm-hmm. like it's a lead instrument, just up and down the neck, creating a lovely melodic bass part. And, yeah. and, and June's guitar work on this song is also just as beautiful. And so let's listen to what Gene and June had to say about the performance of this song. Well, I was really pleased in the beginning, those sort of like coming off time. It seemed like off time. But then, then uh, Al's a ding on a bell. It's such, it's so beautiful, the beginning of it. And then during the song, I was able to you know, go up and down the neck and make some, uh, some, uh, some beautiful kind of lines on it. I was pretty happy with what I did on the song. And this is early on. It's our first album. So I always had the impression we weren't so advanced at that point. But I think we sound pretty darn advanced on this cut on the album. I was really surprised and pleased, very pleased. I mean, you know, I just think that that recording is a work of art. Yeah, I do too. I came at the 12 string at the beginning uh, during the intro. I'm, I I did a couple of little licks, which are just, you know, they're just there. They just kind of appear and then the song starts. You know, Nikki's vocals sound 
so vulnerable in this, which which isn't a thing like the Nikki I've come to know, you know? Well, Nikki never, she didn't show her vulnerability very often, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I was really almost impressed with how vulnerable she let herself be on yeah. this album. Yeah. Or yes. the song, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. And I also love the background vocals on this song. I mean, it's just so haunting and beautiful. Gene and June were really happy with them as well. Let's listen. I'm really pretty proud of background vocals. Like, bah, 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 bah. Yeah, that yeah. sounds very medieval. It was so exactly, nice. and the, yeah. the way the timing comes in, it's just kind of off time, but not. You know, it's, you know, everything it's about it is incredible. The sound of our vocals, the uh, how we weren't mixed because we mixed ourselves around the uh, the microphone. And the thing is, too, I thought Nikki's vocal really suited mm -hmm. the tune. I never heard her sing quite that softly mm -hmm. or that mm -hmm. approach ever on any of uh, any of the songs we ever recorded. So I was kind of amazed because at the time, of course, I didn't notice. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. sure, yeah. it's a song. I think it's a perfect presentation. I I cannot believe it's on the first album. I mean, we sort of were already peaking, but we didn't know it, you know. And okay. how anybody could say, you know, because I read people's comments on whatever, the Apple page or YouTube or wherever, how anybody could ever say that songwriting was our weak point is beyond because they may, they uh, must not have listened to our material. They're just making, throwing that out as, oh, I heard a couple of things, you know, and they were okay. But it's so far beyond that. We were definitely ahead of our time. You know, this song really could be another autobiographical song by Nikki. You know, Bitter Wine mm -hmm. equals Fanny. You know, mm. the oh, taste okay. of things that cannot be. You know, oh, wow. she didn't get to be the the star attraction, the lead singer, the only girl in a female in an all male band. You know, the yep. the headliner, if you will, which mm -hmm. is that it's all conjecture. On my part, it's probably even mm -hmm. egotistical of me to tie Nikki's every lyric to Fanny, <laughs> you know, but, you know, she didn't live at Fanny Hill and who That's knows true. what experiences she might have had that she was putting into her songs. You well, know? I just have to say as mm -hmm. a fan of Fanny and yeah. listening to Nikki's lyrics on Bitter Wine, especially through 2021 ears, I see Bitter Wine as one moment of her life, whether personally or as a songstress, mm -hmm. all yeah. about being unhappy and, you know, not fitting in and not mm -hmm. belonging. Right. That's why yeah. when you get to the song the first time that she wrote and talks about being happy and joyous and for the first time I can finally be me. Yeah. I just think those two songs are so such brilliant bookends in terms of what kind of writer she was and also right. what kind of person she was. Yeah. I, mean, I, I just really respect her for that. Yeah, yeah. But who knows, Kristen, you know, because mm -hmm. Nikki was, was so guarded and she didn't really let us know who she was, you know. But as we had talked earlier on, on an earlier podcast anyway about Take a Message to the Captain, this mm -hmm. really could have been her story. I go from town to town I love your playing on this song, Alice. I mean, I know I say that for every Fanny song, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us about your playing on it? Um, yeah, I can actually. And listening to it, you know, that first verse where I do the boom, chick, 
boom, check. You know, it's not boom, check, boom, check. It's boom, check, three, four, boom, check, three. It is, I, I, sh I really would shrink. I, I did shrink the um, drum part down <laughs> to give that beat and not fill every measure with drums, you know? Mm. Yeah. But mm. uh, that was the well, magic. Yeah. Well, that was the magic for me with Fanny. You know, that was mm -hmm. why I loved it so much. I got to create the drum part, you know, nobody mm -hmm. else got to create that initial drum part for that song and it will forever be recorded as my drum part. And that was really, really the joy for me, you know, and it's, and now with the podcast, I get to be reminded of those parts that I created that yeah. I'd forgotten, you know, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. even June reminded, I mean, Jeannie had to remind June about the fact that she played Wawa on this song. And you included a Wawa guitar in there as well. June. Oh, that's right. That is so interesting. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, plus, I never noticed before today, because I took a listen again, but on the choruses, all of a sudden, way in the back is a slamming rhythm guitar, where I just do the chords, and you don't really notice it, but the bite is there. And you know, man, I have never heard the wah-wah until you guys mentioned it right now, because it's sure as hell right there once you hear it. I just Yeah, <laughs> you, like, you wow. can't miss it, right? Oh, no, I yeah. know, but it's like, it's one of those things you never heard, and it's like, wow. Cool. Yeah, but for for all of mm -hmm. the UFOs listening, I wonder: Have you been paying attention? Wake up, class! <laughs> <laughs> anyone? Anyone? <laughs> all right. The question is: What do bitter wine, badge, and soul child have in common? Wait for mm. it. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's more cowbell. <laughs> yeah. There is. There's more cowbell at the end of bitter wine and badge. It comes in only at the end. Where Soul Child, it's the, you know, through the whole song. The whole, whole song. Well, yeah. it's the driving force through the whole song of Soul Child. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> but for now, let's listen to the rest of bitter wine. So I can, I want to hear your cowbell. That's what she said. <laughs> I have Cowbell. Yeah. I can hear it. Yeah. I can hear it. 
It's like the Wawa. I never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what else I was thinking about listening to this? Um, yeah. Do you remember how Gene had referred to some of Fanny's sound as very Santana-esque? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can really mm-hmm. hear that at the end of this song. You guys yeah. were just jamming. I love yeah. it. It's so yeah. cool yep. to listen to it again. And I have to confess, Alice, when you mm-hmm. first asked, what do badge bitter wine and soul child have in common i thought the answer was Kristen's life story <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one Kristen. now <clears throat> i think we've all tasted some bitter wine in our lives at least right oh, yeah. Ooh, good oh, yeah. one. Oh yeah well i know i have often whined about being bitter <laughs> yeah you have <laughs> just an itty bitty bit <laughs> yeah yeah you have uh, you the rim shot effect here, but anyway. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. There you go. So, Kristen. Yes. <laughs> now, that we, now that we bada boomed, what, what's what's in store for our next episode? And and don't tell me Soul Child. <laughs> no, I was going to say that's what she said, but let's not go there again. <laughs> no, but for episode 22, we're going to be discussing Nikki's Cat Fever from Charity Ooh, Ball. Nice, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. and June's You've Got a Home from Fanny oh, Hill. Cool. That's a good Really match. looking forward to it. Yeah. I think so, too. Yep. But for now... Byron, yes. that's a wrap. Hit it! <laughs> <laughs> Shaking things up! Shaking it up! <laughs>